check. On this episode, we interview the president of Pioneer RX, probably one of the most innovative pharmacy software companies. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of RX Radio. I'm your host, Richard Waith. Super excited about today's episode. We have the president of Pioneer RX, Jeff Key. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. I am super excited about being here, too. Yeah. But my, you're super excited about all your guests, but I'm going to pretend that I'm super special today. Listen, I think, you know, just I'm super excited about just waking up on the day. And whenever I get to interview someone, especially uh, with the experience that you have and, and the impact that you've had on the industry, it's it's always an exciting time. So thank you for your time. So you're an extremely yep. busy man. And um, I'm excited to we have a lot to cover today, but uh, I do want to begin with like some origin stuff. Like I want to go to the to the origins of, of Jeff Key's uh, comic book story. So, you know, tell us about yourself. Who who is Jeff Key? Where did it, is there like a radioactive spider in my story? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I'm hoping so. Um, not a not a super interesting or uninteresting story. Uh, untypical for present, uh, or, or maybe typical. I have a technical background. So my undergraduate is in electrical engineering. I went out of college working for a large risk insurer. Uh, on the engineering side, so would actually go into large manufacturers looking for problems that would cause business interruption. Uh, computers were an important thing coming along then that could cause business interruption. Uh, this company insured businesses um, the money they'd lost when things were down. So let's say you you lost a, had a big transformer, and if you lose that transformer, it comes from Sweden and takes six months to get here. Well, that would be the company who'd pay for your losses of business while that time frame was there. So got uh, got into computers, were interested in computers, really got into computers, some in the electrical engineering degree. Uh, computers were just getting started, uh, didn't pay very well uh, when I was in college, and, and all the computer people were kind of geeky, and not the electrical engineering people were not geeky. So, um, but uh, got into computers, went and got my master's, uh, master's degree uh, in computer uh, technology, uh, more of a uh, kind of a computer software degree, and uh, started working with a, a division of that company developing software select technology solutions for field engineers. There are about a thousand field engineers worldwide. I uh, did that for a while. I was commuting to uh, their headquarters was in Boston. I was commuting to Boston every other week from the south. Uh, as the kids happened and, and got a little older, I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. Went to work in my hometown. We, we moved back to Shreveport, Louisiana, where I was from, so the kids would know their grandparents. And went to work for a company there called Prasis. Uh, there developed some technology of some ideas that I had had at the last company and um, built some software that connected state government with insurance companies and had some patents on that, um, did really well. Uh, today, that's the only product that does that in the country. When we started, there were probably five or six different products. Uh, that's the only product today. Yeah, it's a product called Jurisdiction Online. From there, I took about four years off. One of the, one of the challenges in Shreveport, Louisiana, developing software was, were, was getting good developers. So 
uh, Louisiana was spending a lot of money in in the colleges in, hey, we're going to spend money in information technology training and farm and uh, developing software. And so they lured me to come teach college. I went and did that for about four years. I taught both continuing education. I was a Microsoft certified trainer. Um, plus, I taught senior computer science and uh, software development and database development. After about four years of that, I, I knew I was going to do a tour that I didn't want to stay in academia uh, forever. A group came to me, uh, Morrison Dixon. Uh, they had a, uh, a company called New Tech Computer Systems that had a pharmacy system that had about 500 users. They had tried to rebuild that system twice and had not been successful. So they came and said, hey, can you train our staff on how to do a better job of doing development? So I came in there and I, uh, I taught some classes for them. And the guy who was over that division, the Dixon, a guy named Mark Dixon, set in some of the classes and paced around the back, listening to what I had to say, and, and finally came to me and said, hey, let, let's go eat. And and we, we went to eat in a little bit Italian restaurant, independent. And he uh, said, hey, will you help me build a new pharmacy system? And I, I thought about that, and I, I said, well, let me think about it, and let me learn more about this. And I, and I looked at it, and I came back to him, and I'd been reading Good to Great that time, and and so I had some caveats, you know. Has to the goal has to be to be the best pharmacy system in the country. If you just want to be a, a Windows-based system for, you know, the Morrison Dixon customers, I'm out. The goal has to be the best. Um, it, that means it has to be nationwide, not wholesaler specific. You have to firewall us off and let us do our thing, and invest. And first he said no, and then he thought about it and came back and said yes. And that was about 12 years ago. I was able to pull in town from all the students I'd had who I knew were the best, who really got not only the how to code, but that, hey, I'm, I'm building things for somebody. They really got the why. They, they were charged up by solving people's problems. Uh, two years we spent in beta, and uh, that was 12 years ago. Now we're the most installed independent pharmacy system in the country. It's kind of crazy to think that you have been able to do that in the, I mean, 12 years, you know, obviously day by day, that seems might seem like a long time, but that's a relatively short time to create, I think something as, as great, I think is what Pioneer has become. So I think that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. And a, a lot of that, we were lucky early on to get some really smart pharmacists on our product and to listen to them. So one of the things that uh, historically I've been good at is listening to people and their problem and translating how they want to do something into what they're really trying to solve as a business problem and doing that in a consistent way. Now, I would not have pinged you as a academia type of individual. And it seems like, and, and I'm curious to know what it was like being in academia with what it seemed as though that you were kind of teaching things that were probably not mainstream at the time. Um, and, and you probably have a personality that I'm not sure would be like the, the, the typical academia type. And I feel like a lot of times that's starting to happen, especially in pharmacy now. And, and I'm curious to hear maybe like what your experiences were there. Um, did it seem like, you know, you were, uh, I guess, were you hoping to like disrupt in the academia world, um, did that seem to work well or did it not? I'm kind of curious to hear what the experiences were there. 
Yeah. So, so you seem super wise. Seems like you've been around academia. So if, if you can imagine me, I'm a capitalist. So I got things a lot like we're not a business. <laughs> it's like a business. And I was like, because when you shoot to break even and you miss it, you know what you do? You lose money, right? So if you shoot to make money and you lose a little bit, you're still good. And, and heard things like, um, and hey, me saying the students are our customers, right? We're responsible for giving them this. Well, no, no, they're not really our customers. Their parents are our customers. So they're really so. So yeah. So I was uh, reasonably disruptive, um, trying to teach very practical things. Sometimes is heresy, and uh, but hugely successful in in that we were able to create a whole new degree program. So we we created a new degree program around developing software. It was a it was a bachelor's in computer information systems. And, um, graduate a lot of students who are doing really well in life. That's great. That's great to hear. Yeah. So kind of going to the success of pioneer, um, you know, you mentioned listening and I think that that's what kind of stood out to me the most, um, in, in, in how you kind of described, uh, you know, the getting to what you've gotten to build in the last 12 years, uh, how, I mean, what sort of advice can you give with like how you were listening? Because I feel like a lot of people say, oh, you have to listen to your customers and listen to what people want. But um, I would love to hear if there was like any specifics that you can share in addition to other key factors around pioneer success. But like, what was it and what was the importance about the whole listening thing that um, you can maybe provide some insight on? Yeah, you, all the time we get people who will come to us and, and, and we do program every, almost everything we do comes from ideas from somebody. You know, I was a manager meeting this week and 692 things we programmed in the last year. Um, changes in the system, the majority of which were user generated ideas. But what will happen is a user will say, I'd like a button here that does blank. And it's really easy to go just program a button there that does blank. What's hard is to say, what are you trying to do? What's, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Take me through your day. And if you really understand the software, and you're smart, sometimes you go, well, hey, you're really trying to do this. What if we did this here? And then, oh, wow, that's so much better. So, so really trying to, to, trying to move from what a customer is trying to do. So like, hey, does anybody have a hammer? Oh, here's a hammer. Hey, you know what? Madison wanted a hammer. No, 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 Madison wanted to hang a picture. Madison didn't want a hammer. I had this other tool that would be way better for hanging a picture. If, if I'd known that she was trying to hang a picture, I would have showed these new little neat things here that are better on the walls that we just peel the back off of and they stick on. And it's much better suited for that because it doesn't put a hole in the wall. But they didn't come to me and Mads didn't come and say, I want to hang a picture on the wall. She came and said, hey, do you have a hammer? And so that's the difference between really trying to understand what they're trying to do instead of just doing what they're asking for. Was there ever like a threshold as to like the person that asked for the hammer that you had to, uh, that maybe move the needle for going forward with changes in the technology? Cause I can imagine if one person asked for a hammer, 
but like, you know, versus like 30 people ask for it. Is there a big difference there or is there a certain threshold that's aimed for? I'm curious. And, and this is diving deep into almost honestly a very selfish question as well. What does it take to actually move the needle when you're when you're so like focused on listening? You're going to have different people whose idea about what they need is way closer to what they really, sorry, when their idea about they what they want is way closer to what they need. But you still have to ask. You just have to never get lazy. You have to always ask. And sometimes that can be frustrating to the person who's asking for it because, but hey, we help each other by really understanding what you're trying to do. And then you step back and you list the things that are there to do and you say, which things that I do are going to most likely have independent pharmacy be successful and grow. And you do those things. And last year we chose 692 things and yeah. we did it. <laughs> nice. So what else, what else do you think maybe might've driven the success? Like outside of listening, um, what other, what other, what were the other keys that were um, imperative that, you know, had to be in place for, you know, pioneer to do what it's been doing over the last 12 years? Yeah. So there are a lot of things we did that were just smart early on and, and a couple of those that were accidental. So let's talk about the accidental to start with. If you go back the 10 or 15 years before we started Pioneer X, development languages and technology were evolving rapidly. I don't know how familiar you are with stuff, but there were things like Visual Basic and Power Builder and there were COBOL and and base and Pascal and Pascal Plus and and you you went through this rapidly generating where had you built if we'd gone back five years before and had built Pioneer and Power Builder, we'd be in a hard place right now because it's not supported anymore. So we got very lucky in that Microsoft development tools were maturing at a time. And when we came out with .NET, uh, uh, started to do this in C sharp. C sharp maybe been out four years. But here we are 12 years later, and it's still got years and years. It's, those, those languages have matured. Databases have matured. If we'd have gone back five years, it might have been Fox Pro or DBase or something like that, and you'd be rewriting it. Database technology had kind of matured. Uh, you had SQL Server, which was mature at the time. And, and so there was a luck there about the technologies that allowed us to be able to grow on top without already having to, to rebuild something. Uh, the other thing that happened is a lot of us that came together had come out of the web world. And what was really cool about the web is you never updated it. Everybody was always on the same version, right? Did you update your Google this morning? Did you put your, your floppy disk in the disk drive and say, run my Google update? I personally did not, but not today. No. <laughs> Google. So so the, the thing is there is that, hey, somebody else updates you, it for you. So a lot of software out there, especially at the time, was in the model of we're sending out disks to update. And when you do that, so like for example, Red Cell, when Red Cell bought QS1, I think they said they had over like 200 different versions of their software out there. Can you imagine the customer service experience? Ring, ring. Hey, okay, yeah, what problem are you having? Blank. Oh, well, we fixed that in 30 versions later than the one you have. And the person on the other side says, no, no, last time I updated, everything broke. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just sad and going away. Or the person, the customer service person is trying to figure out, I don't have 300 different versions on my desktop, trying to figure out which version they're using to try to solve their problem. Almost impossible to support. 
So one of the things we said early on, we're going to develop some, the web is too slow. I think the web is still too slow for pharmacists to use to fill scripts. But we're going to build a desktop application that updates itself like the web. We're going to update it frequently. So it's going to be updated, little bitty updates every week. We're going to add the ability to roll it back if there's a problem, but everybody's going to be on the same version. So when you call into support, guess what? They're using the same version you are. Uh, it's easy update. So it's this web model of updating. That in itself is a Gatlin gun versus a bow and arrow. There's still today pharmacy systems out there with 200 different versions in the field with having to beg customers to upgrade to the latest version can't compete with what we can do in customer support. And you'll hear again and again and again, oh, we love Pioneer's customer support. Um, so that was big. And there's just a bunch of technologies we did like that from the beginning that have made doing what we do easier. And, and uh, the other decision of, of providing the server, not uh, 12 years ago when nobody was thinking about the cloud, what's the cloud? The cloud is my software runs on a server that I don't own somewhere up there or over there. Well, what we said was pharmacist internet's not fast enough to do that. Our customer bread and butter's rule. But we're going to take our server, ours, that's protected. They don't have to update it, upgrade it, back it up, anything like that. We're going to put it in their pharmacy. And it's going to update itself. And we kind of, kind of a concept of mini cloud. We don't deal with people who have a eight-year-old machine that's too slow and on software that shouldn't be. We have a known platform we're deploying to all across the country. So, so lots of technology, technology decisions we made that were just smart. Uh, it's not, you were almost reading my mind. One of my questions was about to be, you know, and there's probably pharmacy owners that's listening now that understand how an install works, but there's, but the pharmacy management system space might be new to some listeners as well. So I was, I was going to ask, you know, what are the differences with how a pharmacy system is deployed to a pharmacy? So it sounds like there's there's almost two there's maybe three ways even one is a cloud base where it's kind of centralized somewhere else, uh, one is um, uh, where there's a, a specific server that doesn't have any sort of connection outside, which it sounds like might be a legacy way, and then there's the way that Pioneer might have approached it where it's a server but it's still being updated almost centrally or updated like how it can. So is that did I get that right? Yep. Yeah. So, so you think about a model where hey you go buy a machine and you install our software on it, right? That would be that you own a server. You got to figure out how to back it up. You got to figure out how to maintain it, keep viruses off of it, et cetera. You have then the cloud model. So a lot of the cloud model based web is web. It's internet. It's um, web application based, browser based app. And then you have our model, which is in the middle, which it's our hardware, it's our server. We install the software on it. We protect it from viruses. You can't get on it to put a virus. You can't put your own stuff on it. It's just a black box that instead of putting the cloud, we put it in your facility. We back it up every 15 minutes to the cloud. If that server dies, you can run from the cloud. It's kind of a backup mechanism. It's slower because generally your internet's probably slow when you're rural, but. Interesting. So you mentioned 692 uh, you know, different uh, updates to the software system over the last year. I'm curious to know uh, if you can maybe share with some of the the technologies that you think pharmacies would find like really a lot of value in, um, you know, obviously we can't sit here and go through all the the list of features that's available, but I, I'm curious to know of what do you kind of like, what is excites you the most that you like to tell, talk to pharmacies about in terms of features that Pioneer has available on, on, on the platform? 
Yeah. So um, I don't want to totally just grow into a total pioneer sales pitch, but if you can imagine a lot of stuff this year has been COVID related, uh, figuring out how to, to let pharmacies do delivery who aren't doing delivery, how to let pharmacies be touchless, how to um, allow pharmacies who didn't have drive-through to have customers pull up and be able to text them and say, I'm here. How do I have them sign? How do I come out to them? How do I have them sign for their drugs? So we did a lot of stuff early on. You know, that's March. So a lot of stuff's been COVID-related, uh, patient messaging, uh, vaccination. Everybody and their brother is is coming up with new fields that they want for vaccination. The North Carolina wants to know uh, when you do a vaccine, they want to know what phase you're in. This is a 1A customer. This is a 1B customer. This is a 1C customer. And and they're not taking it unless you send that to them. Um, the other people, it's called a TPO code. So a lot of stuff around vaccines, speeding up vaccines. You got pharmacists who are putting in, you know, 100 vaccines a day, 1,000 vaccines a day. Tapping it in, they're brand new patients. They're having dinner. They're staying up to three, four o'clock in the morning. Uh, we did a lot of stuff this year in e-care plans and and helping automate how uh, data is submitted to payers for doing things like MedSync and things like that. And I'm also curious as to let's say I'm let's say I'm an owner uh, and or I want to be a pharmacy owner. And uh, I'm now in the stage where I need to figure out what system is going to drive my pharmacy. Or I'm an owner that has a system now that I'm just fed up with and I'm really looking for uh, a new pharmacy, a new pharmacy management system. What, what sort of advice would you give me as the pharmacy owner as to what's like most important for me to keep in mind as I'm trying to make this decision as to like who I should go with? I um, mean, you're a friend of mine. You're not, you're not, this is not. Jeff, the president of, uh, of Pioneer X, you're a friend and you're saying this is what you need to have in mind as you're deciding to choose your, uh, your pharmacy management system. Yeah, so our number one lead source is from friends. Right over 55% of our leads come from people who are saying, hey, buddy, you should do this. So if I was your friend, I probably is going to just going to tell you, you really should be on Pioneer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you want something that's looking, you want somebody who's interested in independent pharmacy, who's really focused there. Um, you you want to find the features you need to look deeply in the features that you need right now and, and the, the features that you're going to need in the future. And, and don't be penny wise and dollar foolish. You know, there, there are less expensive and more expensive pharmacies out systems out there. Generally, those less expensive ones have looked at the market and decided what their price point niche is, you know, what, what their value is. Um, the future is going to be about patient connectivity. So if you look at Amazon is going to be convenient for patients. So we've got to make convenience personal. And that may mean somebody you don't spend a lot of time with. And that's going to mean text messaging. It's going to mean communication in a different way that a pharmacy is not used to be used to doing. And that's going to have to be assisted. So I, I like to think about the uh, Amazon as a robot. And a pharmacy using Pioneer is a human inside a robot. E example, think about uh, what we call uh, for patient picking up their prescription. So we have two-way text messaging Pioneer. 
So imagine your prescription's ready and you get a message. It sounds like it's from a computer that says, Mr. Jones, your prescriptions are ready at the pharmacy. Three days later, if you haven't picked them up, a message that says, hey, Joe, this is Jeff at the pharmacy. I noticed your prescriptions are still here. Is everything okay? Or, and maybe, a, and those are randomized messages. So if I'm always late, I don't get the same one. Maybe there's another message that's possible that says, Joe, your stuff's still here. Is everything okay? Or do you still plan to get it? What you're trying to do is start a conversation, right? Maybe Joe's decided that it costs too much or decided that um, they, they Googled what that drug side effects are and they're afraid of it or they don't want to take anything else. And as a pharmacist, you need to have a conversation. And, and there what happened was the computer generated the first message, but when that patient types back and says, like an example, I am not going to, I'm in the hospital, so I'm not going to get it. Then the pharmacist takes over. It comes back into their workflow and the pharmacist says, oh, hey, I'm sorry to hear that. As soon as you get out though, you need to make sure you bring uh, your drugs by so we can make sure that everything's still okay with everything you're taking. Because a lot of times people get in the hospital and they, they take them off their drugs and they put them on new drugs and sometimes they mess it up. Um, so just one example of how you want to try to make that initial message came from the computer that seemed like it came from a person but then created the interactions that interacted with the person. Now, I, speaking of kind of the patient messaging and, and along these lines, it's I think you've there's been significant deployment of some of this communications already out in place in some pharmacies utilizing Pioneer. What have been some of the surprising things that you've that pharmacies may have reported on or, or talked or provided feedback on in terms of uh, this new way of like now communicating with patients and in, in, as it relates to their pharmacy? Um, has there been anything surprising, whether it's like text messaging um, or or any sort of like within the app that's that's caused some sort of feedback that you're like, oh, that's I didn't really think about that. It's really surprising um, that that may that might come to mind in terms of how because I'm really passionate about how we start to like uh, these new ways that we're communicating with patients, whether it be through text, whether it be eventually through like some Alexa device at some point, you know, down the line. Um, so I'm I'm curious to start to see and and I hope to start to share some of the interesting things that we might not have seen or thought about as we start to actually do this in practice. Yeah, I, it, I'm not sure. I mean, there's interesting stuff when you look at it because you have you know, people sending a picture of a pill and saying, what's this? Or, <laughs> or saying, hey, I'm gonna come in, uh, you know, I'm not gonna be in for a couple of days or, or asking questions. You've had had some, some negative response of, I don't have time to answer all these questions. Well, that's the same person who says the phone's ringing off the hook and they yeah. just let it ringing. Um, the good thing about a messaging is people expect an asynchronous conversation. Um, you know, unless you're that guy, generally when you text somebody, you don't expect somebody to text you right back, right? You're not, when they don't text you back in two minutes, you're not calling them going, is everything okay? Where are you? And, and so generally. You're not my mom because that's what my mom will do. She'll, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless you're a mom. But, um, <laughs> Generally with people with messaging, people learn to be more asynchronous and that works much better into the workflow of the pharmacy, right? Because you can go ahead and finish checking a prescription. You, you, you generally shouldn't let the phone ring 20 times, but you could wait the time elapsed between the phone ringing 20 times before you responded to a message. And, and so it's a metaphor that a lot of people really like. So, I, But I don't know there's a lot of huge surprises in, oh, I didn't think... You'll have some that some have that guy who would hang at the pharmacy who's always messaging, you know. Mm. 
like texting you as they're standing there. That would be that's gonna be funny. Yeah. I guess <laughs> that's gonna be funny. All right, let's talk about the uh, the recent news um, with Red Sail, uh, with Pioneer um, uh, being acquired by Red Sail, and uh, talk about and, and provide some insight as to you know what your hopes are and what the goals are with that acquisition and and how you know pharmacies will actually see benefits from joining like larger networks like Red Sail. Well, that I mean, it, it, you you kind of answered the question there that the hope in the bigger grouping is that we can actually do a better job of of the mission, which is to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. So the uh, growing up, my dad was a salesman back when it was still a professional salesman to be a car salesman. It was professional. I grew up listening to, we listened to sales tapes in the car. We didn't listen to the radio, maybe an occasional four and a four or something. But um, one of the things that Zig Ziglar, who is one of my heroes now, would say is, hey, you can have anything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want. So that's why our goal is to save and vitalize independent pharmacy. We believe if we do that, the value will come and we'll be a profitable, profitable business. But about a year ago, we looked at the market and we went to our owners at the time, Morrison Dixon, and we said, we don't believe that given the current level of investment and where we are, we can do what we need to do in the time we need to do it. Right. We think we can be big enough. Maybe 10 years from now, we think that's too long. We believe we would benefit from new owners. Can we look for one? And they said, yes. And they didn't, uh, the Dixon had never been greedy. Was it, um, they had never taken a dime out of the company and they could have put pioneer pioneer best pharmacy system in the country. They could have put it out to bid, made way more money than they, than they did, but they let us look for a partner that really could be the best for the employees and for the customers and for the future. And we found Red Cell. Red Cell had uh, our Francisco partners had bought Smith Technologies, which was QS1. They had the Smith family didn't want to leave the name on there, so they had renamed that Red Cell. And they had brought in an amazing group of people to manage that. Um, and it was, no, I can't say it was love at first sight, but it was kind of love at first meeting. So really found a group that agreed with our values, a company that agreed with uh, Francisco Partners has been really successful in healthcare. They really believed that things had to be a win for customer, employee, uh, and for the investors for it to be a win. And, and in doing that, that's when you make the most money. Um, they talk about things about trust. You find companies that where people trust each other, they're way more profitable than companies where, where people don't. And put the thing together and the rest is history. So we're really looking for having, having the time of our life, which uh, it's really busy, but we're really exploring ways with, with that kind of purity behind it, what are things we can do to really promote independent pharmacy and, and past all the lies. You know, the thing uh, I had a NCPA uh, president, Doug Hoey contacted me last week and said, Hey, I got a reporter and she wants to, she's looking at pricing like GoodRx and, and, and independence and, and, you know, GoodRx has this thing on there that says, this is the normal big cash price and this kind of stuff. And can you look at a couple of drugs? 
And so I used our data to look at a couple of drugs, and across the board, independent pharmacy was cheaper than GoodRx. Uh, this was a drug where I think the GoodRx price was 10 bucks, and the median price at, at an independent pharmacy was 5 and And everybody out there is thinking, I'm going to take this coupon and go to Walgreens or CVS, and I'm going to save money. And the only reason that independent pharmacies aren't better successful today is they aren't better organized. And because they're not better organized, they're not better marketed. And so we're really looking at ways is how do we solve that problem? And I was on the phone with, with Doug just today talking about ways to solve the problem. How do we have them better organized? How do we have them better marketed? Uh, how do we compete against GoodRx? And how do we do that with a grassroots type, type campaign? Uh, how do we have uh, Part D plans competing more within a pharmacy? Uh, to get that pharmacy's customers. If those pharmacy's customers are so loyal and the plans know it, then they're going to compete for those customers. If we can show them that if you don't compete for these customers who want to stay in this pharmacy, you're going to lose business. You know, I am. it's really exciting to hear, uh, like, the tone of the messaging and the marketing. I think there's a, there's a ton of issues that we have in healthcare and, and that pharmacies and pharmacies and pharmacists can solve um, and there's a lot of reasons why we aren't doing the things that we should be doing. But one of the key things is the, our ability to market and message um, our capabilities. And it's so great to hear that at the highest levels, it sounds like that needs to be uh, a focus needs to be put on that. Um, and, and I feel and I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out, because um, just the fact that just the knowledge of being able to know that the, if you just go to your local independent pharmacy, you'll get the best prices. But I can see how difficult that might be, you know, from from one pharmacist, from one independent pharmacy to market that versus a huge network to market that. I think there, there's a huge difference there. Can you maybe is there anything that you can share with what the goal is and how that how that's going to actually be accomplished for independent pharmacies? Like what is with a network like this? How does that now start to turn into action with how you can now market and drive these messages. Yeah, you have to enable a grassroots marketing. You got to train. There are a lot of pretty inexpensive ways to market, uh, whether that be the that pharmacy's Facebook page, right? They have a Facebook page in town, um, local content's prioritized, but they also have relationships. Your have you ever seen a good RX card? What yes. was the first you learned about good RX? The first time I learned about it was at the pharmacy because a patient brought it to me and said, here you go. Okay. Um, you ever been in a doctor's office and see a? Yes, I've seen that a lot. Yep. So a lot of people's first time they ever saw one was in the doctor's office, right? They case the doctor's office. As we do more and more of these podcasts, we're learning more and more that there are pharmacies out there who are killing it. They're making good money. And those that are killing it have really good local relationships, right? Shouldn't they be talking to that local doctor who's independent like them about why they have a good RX card sitting out, what that good RX card means? What if there was something else they could give them that was more independent focused? So, so this is where we're talking grassroots. Average grassroots marketing within your community. Uh, what if that gave something to them to talk about? So there's there's a lot of options out there, but but it's going to be done grassroots. You're not going to go get independent pharmacy and raise a bunch of money and do a Super Bowl ad, probably, right? You're going to why not? To, why not, Jeff? You're going to have because they're not <laughs> going to give you that money, 
but you can train them how to market locally and those local relationships. The guys who've gotten COVID vaccines from the state or from public health have gotten that because of their local relationships. I was in a guy's pharmacy a couple of weeks ago outside of Orlando. And the uh, CVS had, had gotten an allotment. They had failed to use it all. The governor said, hey, if you don't use it by this date, we're taking it back. Governor took it back, gave it to public health. Public health was like, we don't know what to do with this. And so who do they do? They called the people they knew who'd worked with them before and said, hey, can you go? We've got a we've got 100 vaccines. Can you come get this and deliver it to a nursing home somewhere? And he said, sure. I'm on my way. I was there that day, right? They called and said, hey, can you get this? And so he he had a plan. He called at home. He he uh, he went and got 100 and he he put it in some some people's arms who needed it. So that relationship allowed opportunities. And so we've got to, the Super Bowl ad's not going to do it. What's going to do it is, is getting into those local offices, getting in with your public health, getting in with the doctor's offices and the dentist's offices and telling them, hey, guess what? We're like you. You're not like CVS. CVS trying to put you out of business. Uh, we're like you. So we'll do some stuff. There's a, there's a lot of advertising opportunities in social media that aren't that expensive. And I think you'll see uh, some of those as well. That's great to hear. Well, you know, if I do start an initiative to, you know, start raising funds for a Super Bowl ad, it sounds like I'm going to have some convincing to do with see if Pioneer is going to contribute to the fund, but that's okay. I'll, it I'll might put be in the fun. work. Maybe we'll have, three or four years from now, we'll have a big, uh, big Super Bowl ad. All right. So uh, what's on the horizon for Pioneer? Uh, let's talk about things that are things that are in the works, things are, that, you know, maybe I don't know if you have any breaking news you'd love to share here. We'd love to do that as well. But uh, we'd love to hear what's on the horizon for Pioneer. So um, some of it is a little bit of a catch up. Uh, we'll be rolling out e-fax, electronic faxing rather than analog line based faxing. Uh, not something we've been hugely invested in because we keep saying, hey, that's going away. It's going away. Right. More and more states are doing 100 percent e-script. Finally, we're saying, okay, it's not going away. Let's go ahead and 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 take this move. So, um, you'll see e-faxing roll out. We're doing that with a normal Pioneer twist. We're working with a company who actually does the e electronic faxing for hundreds of thousands of doctors' offices across the country. So, if it's so, what it'll turn out to be that if it's Pioneer to one of these doctors' offices, it'll be super high quality, like a like a PDF. So, rather than a black and white TIFF, it'll actually be able to fax it in color are um, much more readable. So we're actually taking that up a notch. You're going to continue to see us work on patient engagement and adding more and more notifications and really trying to work on improving adherence and abandonment. So uh, patient education, using the, the, the Buka videos to try to uh, educate customers better about the drugs they're getting and figuring out the best place to put that in the, the workflow whether they should get that at the end or whether they should get that at the beginning. We're experimenting where that drives the most adherence and whether they, where they look at it the most um, reduces abandonment. You're going to see a lot of stuff this year around the vaccine. We're developing a vaccine scheduler and continue to try to, to speed up how a person enters, how fast they can get vaccines in a system. Um, you're going to see some stuff around trying to make sure that Medicare patients stay in the uh, Medicare Part D, stay in the pharmacy. 
so that I can ask a patient, hey, um, would you like to see plans that allow you to stay in the pharmacy? And I can do that electronically. And if they say yes, show them a set of plans that let them stay in the pharmacy where the patient's choosing from those with the hope that those plans will start competing for that business. And probably 686 more things than that. Okay, <laughs> nice. I hope you, you don't want to try to crack the 700 mark. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe that'll <laughs> be a goal. We are, uh, one thing Red Cell is doing is, and, and it's funny, every time I talk to them or Francisco partners, it's like, how can we invest? Uh, hey, you know, guess what? If you decide that you need to invest in something else, we're not going to count that against your bonuses. Really, this concept, um, we're bringing in some more development staff. Uh, we've added some outsourced resources to try to speed some projects along. So they're they're very interested in how can we take this fire and and pour some more fuel in it and try to make it it more successful and and continue to grow and and solve people's problems. And that's what it's all about. And, and and when you meet that pharmacist and he says, switching to your software saved my business. That and that's when it makes it all work well. Yeah, I mean that's we hear, you know, I'm on the trade show floors and talking to a lot of owners and it's you know, it's can't say enough good things about what we hear about it. And I think it's important when the way things are spoken about behind your back, and obviously I'm saying this behind your back, and obviously no one's kind of to go around and, and try to go around and you and talk about pioneer, but the way that people talk about pioneer when pioneer is not around is I think extremely important. And, and it's something that like I really take to heart and, and it lets me know that what you all are doing there is great work. So, you know, I, I, and I'm sure on behalf of a lot of other people, you know, it's, it's, there's not much, it's hard to say thank you for that, you know, and, and obviously I'm not an owner using pioneer, but I, I know that how much it's helping and just hearing the sentiment that you just said, about how I'm sure a pharmacy owner will thank you for, you know, saving their business. I mean, something like that is, you know, it, that starts to go beyond the business, like the business part of it becomes secondary almost. But, and I think it kind of goes to your initial thing about the whole, you know, student thing and being a capitalist. And if you can start, you know, it's just so, it's, it's so important as, as you can drive the value and try to help other people, the business stuff always follows. Yep. You know, you, you have to have the business stuff in place, but just knowing that you're leading with the value is um is something that like I I cherish and I look up to and I I, I want to thank you for that as well someone that's just an outsider. Yeah. I give you a great example from recent newspaper of that when when we first started building Pioneer there's a thing out there called pre and post edits. I don't know if you're familiar with those but um the switch out there looks at your claim and looks for problems. Uh some of those things are like if you ask the insurance company for less in your transmission, if transmission, if you ask the insurance company for less money than they would pay you, guess what? They'll pay you the less money you ask for. Or if you set your cash price too low, they'll pay you based on your cash price. And these are things that historically been done in a, in the switch as an add-on price. They charge five cents for every claim to even try to do that. We looked at it in Pioneer when we first built it and said, this is crazy. People aren't buying this, but they need it. We're just going to build it in the pharmacy system. It's just going to be part of the pharmacy system. And one thing with, with Red Cell and QS1, which is kind of a legacy system, we recently looked at all the data. And only 1% of Pioneer X claims had these type of problems. 25% of the QS1 claims had these type of problems. So one in four claims 
that people were transmitting there, they were losing money on because they weren't asking for enough money in the claims. That's when you know you're successful, right? When, when your pharmacies are all making way more money than the other guys is because of stuff that you did in the technology. So tell us about the Catalyst Pharmacy podcast. Um, I think I, I would love to hear, you know, a, a shameless plug here. You know, what's that, what's that journey been like? Um, how can people listen to it? Tell us about the, uh, the Catalyst Pharmacy podcast. So um, the, the, the podcast has been amazing. So we kind of just started maybe about a year ago with this idea that, and, and this has been a theme. You, you went back probably a year or two before that. We had this idea that we need to motivate people to do more, right? So what we want to do is, is find pharmacies, pharmacists out there and find people out there who are doing amazing stuff, show them to the world, get people to like them, and try to follow them. And that's a method of trying to inspire people to be better. There's a great... Um, there's a great thing on the internet that talks about how here's a shirtless guy. I don't know if you've seen it. Ted talk, you Google Ted talk shirtless guy. Uh, it, it's a little five minute thing, but what it has is some video and a guy talking about that video. And this, this guy gets out. Um, there's a bunch of people on a hill kind of imagine it's in uh, central park somewhere. Everybody's sitting down and a shirtless guy gets up and he's dancing. Right. And, and by himself and he's looking kind of crazy dancing around and, and, but, but sooner or later, a couple other people see him and they start dancing with him and he walk up to him and, and, and he kind of, he, he acknowledged them as a peer. He kind of recognizes them as they come and dance with him. He kind of dances with them. Right. And gradually more and more people start getting up now and dancing and sooner or later, everybody's dancing. And the point of the message is the first guy is not the leader. It's the first followers that are the leader because the first followers made it safe. And sooner or later, then there's so many people following that you're not, it's, it's embarrassing not to be part of it. And, and their point is that's how you create a movement. So, so we started off with this. Let's, let's, let's interview these people. Let's go see their pharmacy. Let's talk about their success stories. Let's inspire people to be more. And a next, next natural progression of that was let's do a podcast and, and let's really focus on getting to know these people. I had a great podcast with Doug Hoey, who, who every, uh, the president of NCPA, every time I, I see him, he's, he's very, uh, very straight laced and, 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 and very business, 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 and, and just learned about his childhood. And, and, uh, a, a matter of fact, I was, I was watching some of it earlier and just laughing and going, okay, I got to get back to my job. I feel, I was looking quotes in it. I, I got to get back because it's just, just so much fun. And, and these are people and they're human and they're in communities. And, and, and so what we're trying to do is, is build this thing that people watch and they go, I want to be like that. What does it mean to be like that? Well, it means to be, we, we watched the one with Trip Logan. He said, I need to get more connected to my community. Look at all he's doing being connected to his community. And they're fun. Um, so uh, as far as, as they can listen to it on YouTube, the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. It's on Apple. It's on Google. It's on Spotify. Pretty much everywhere you you listen to podcasts. We release them once a week. 
Uh, we've been releasing them in little smaller chunks, so you can kind of see parts of an episode uh, as it goes along. But the other piece is um, just enjoy getting to know people better. Uh, like just getting to know, you know, I knew about you and you're out there and you're promoting pharmacy and stuff, but but I didn't know you, right? And and what a great opportunity just to sit and, and talk to somebody. So why do you do the podcast? So for me, I was, which this might be, you know, for those listening, I'm going to do an episode also on the Catalyst Pharmacy podcast. So here's a sneak peek as, as to what might go on there if you want to tune into that episode in the future. But for me, the reason RX Radio exists um, it actually started very selfishly. It started where I knew that there was a lot going on in pharmacy that I did not know about. And I was just out of pharmacy school and um, I was passionate about community pharmacy, but I knew that I wanted to have a bigger impact, but I needed to learn a lot. And I felt that I had a, um, you know, I had a communication style and I saw that podcasts were becoming a thing. And I said, you know, why not not only like let me learn, but I'm sure I'm not the only one that wants to know more about this stuff that's going on out in pharmacy. Let me create a platform that can have the conversations that I want to have, but also be able to share that um, with other with other people that are whether you're a seasoned pharmacist just wanting to see what else is going on and whether roles you can have um, or whether you're a student that hadn't even thought about pharmacy as a career. Because now I have it's kind of crazy to see I have like students now. I mean, now depending on the timing they're graduating pharmacy school and they, they even got passionate about pharmacy because of RX radio. And that's like kind of crazy to hear about, you know, but, um, it, but I, and I didn't really intend for that obviously when I started, but now there's, there's some pressure there for that. But, um, (laughs) but, but, but for me, I just knew that there wasn't, I didn't have this available to, to me and I wanted to create something that I would have loved to listen to when I was going through pharmacy school and, and hearing about things that I just didn't learn in pharmacy. Um, going through my training and even even when you're out in the role out in, in in practice you just you don't get a lot of access to the stuff that we talk about on here so that's kind of where it drove for me was just wanting to learn more about about journeys of how pe- what people are doing in pharmacy um, I th- a lot of a lot of people did not know pharmacists even worked for pharmacy management systems you know before before this podcast um, you know this might be the first time that they hear about pharmacists being involved in designing. Um, and working with Pioneer to make sure it's successful. So, um, and and I hope that this will inspire people to be passionate about things that um, are outside of what they typically or or traditionally hear about. Yeah, I think you do a really good job. Now, how how long have you been doing it, the podcast? Uh, 2017. So it's going to be uh, four years in August coming yeah. up this year. So would that have been pretty cutting edge? I, I'm I'm kind of new to the whole podcast listening thing no uh i think there was there was other podcasts before this uh there was definitely another pharmacy podcast before this one as well but it was it was right when podcasts started becoming popular i would say so you know podcasts have definitely been around for uh, the years before that but i think it was right when podcasts people just started listening more whereas you know you started to talk to the rooms and and more hands started to get raised well who's listening to a podcast um that's around when i when i started yeah. And you, how often do you do them? So initially it was about once a week, but with now with, uh, with VUCA getting a lot more busy and I have a, a seven month old now cause, causing ruckus in the household, uh, that's, that's fallen off to about a monthly or so. Um, well, congratulations on the seven month old. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. So, so we're in the COVID zoom kind of video world. Any, any, any thought about taking the podcast to video, I guess. What what is it? A is yeah. It still- 
wanted to be the oven. So that is actually a goal of mine. Um, the goal for me is to start getting a lot more faces to the voices um, because RX Radio has been, and it's funny in the name, you know, radio is usually by voice, but um, the goal, the goal for me is to start doing a lot more things that involve video and visuals. Um, I actually downloaded a fun uh, app called Ecamm, uh, which allows to like bring in interviews and stuff like that, which I'll start playing with and having some cool videos. But yeah, eventually I do want to do more video. Um, the fun thing too about this is it was very, uh, I started this by myself being a, and we had spoken about this kind of offline initially, but I'm a pharmacist by background and, but I, and I didn't have the funds to start a team to, you know, do podcasting. So I had to learn all this myself. And, um, what I think is time for RX radio is to probably start getting a team to like, uh, expand with the content. Um, okay. because right now it's really been a one man show, um, for, for the last four years. So, um, yeah. Very interesting. I, I think you would do good on video. I love the video. I, th I think it'd be a, I'm sitting here thinking about this and, and the way you smile and, uh, and talk. I think, I, I think you would, I think it'd be a nice. I need to, I need to. Too. Yeah, I definitely need to. And I, I like video. It's just, I think the, the challenge is like, uh, you know, the, the practical challenges is just like the editing and, and just making sure, you know, you can, you can match the audio and the video and that kind of stuff. So, um, but eventually I do hope to, and especially as, as, uh, if I start to get a team together, uh, to start being able to edit and chop up the content, that's definitely going to be, uh, you'll, you'll, people will start to see a lot more in my face, unfortunately, so, or fortunately. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, last thing uh, I wanted to, because uh, we're coming up on time here, where can people connect back with um, Pioneer, or even with you, if, if anything, on social media, but uh, where can people connect back with Pioneer and follow along the journey? Yeah, so uh, uh, PioneerX.com. Uh, Pioneer is pretty much on on most social media platforms. So at PioneerRx. So whether it's LinkedIn or um, uh, Instagram, uh, it's at, at Jeff Key on LinkedIn. So any of those kind of places where you normally, we have a Facebook page. So we'd love to, love to hear from people. Uh, people message us, send us stuff. So especially anybody got there, have some super cool COVID stories. <laughs> loving those, loving reading those on LinkedIn. It's amazing. Just the, is the heroes. It's just, it's just great. And, uh, we love bragging on people and sharing their stories. And again, trying to motivate people to be more like X. Yeah. Well, Jeff, uh, love the conversation. You know, I, I feel like we could have had a four hour episode here, but unfortunately we've come up on, a, on an hour time. And then, uh, I do want to thank you for, um, for all your insights and your time to, to kind of give listeners an insight into your journey and insight into um, Pioneer and the great things you all are doing. So uh, thanks yep. again for your time. Really appreciate it. Yep. And I appreciate you and I'm looking forward to, uh, I still got a thousand questions. I held them all in. So I'm <laughs> looking forward. We're going to learn about that seven month old. We're going to learn about your journey in pharmacy. We're just going to have a really good time. So I'm, I'm super looking forward to that. Awesome. So thanks for having me. To be continued. To be continued. Really hope you all enjoyed that episode. I really enjoyed the conversation with Jeff and how Pioneer RX was able to garnish so much success over the last 12 years. I'll make sure to include all of the links to connect back with um, Jeff and Pioneer in the show notes. Make sure to be on the lookout for the episode where the tables were turned and Jeff actually interviewed me on the Catalyst Pharmacy podcast. I'll also include links to that. Uh, should be out in the next couple days or so, if, like which is would be around like April 7th, I believe. So make sure to tune into that uh, podcast as well. 
subscribe to RX Radio if you haven't yet. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you.